Health with Policy Talks podcast, and we're joined here today by Bruno Duperon. So Bruno Duperon is an associate professor at the Johnson Shoyama Graduate School of Public Policy at the University of Regina, and his major research interests are border and immigration issues using political sociology and comparative perspectives. So thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, so we'll start off today by talking about the issue of environmental refugees and environmental migration. So would you be able to tell me a little bit how environmental migration differs from other types of migration and what are the main causes of environmental migration? So um, the, the, the issue of environmental migration basically um, started uh, in the 70s, 80s when there was um, uh, research uh, around uh, the environment and climate change and especially natural scientists um, trying to see the impact of climate change. Uh, and one of the impacts that they, they, they were able to isolate was uh, the, imp the impact on uh, human beings. And so that's how the concept of environmental migration uh, arose. Uh, at the same time, uh, this concept is, has been heavily criticized because the assumption of natural scientists is to make uh, direct causation between uh, climate change and migration, which mm -hmm. is not necessarily obvious if you are a social scientist. Yes. And it's basically what the social scientists said to their colleagues uh, uh, from the na natural sciences, saying to them, well, uh, don't forget that there are other factors, um, uh, social, economic, political factors that have also an impact uh, on the decision to move or not to move. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you tell me uh, what might drive someone to leave their country for environmental issues? Uh, I know some people have claimed uh, famines can be linked to climate change, obviously sea level rise is linked to climate change. So what do you think are the main environmental drivers that could lead or are leading to environmental migration? Uh, well, it depends where you are. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, if you are in the Pacific Ocean, the sea level rise uh, is a major concern, and uh, some people have uh, been forced to, to move already, or, or are facing the, 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 the concern to, to, to move. Uh, but you have also uh, other issues, the slow degradation mm -hmm. of the environment in some areas. Uh, you may have also the natural disasters, uh, hurricanes, uh, storms, etc., that are more frequent, um, and uh, yeah, and you have other natural disasters that may occur uh, because of the, the geology, uh, earthquakes, tsunami, etc. Yes. So, how do you think this surge in environmental refugees around the world is changing the migration landscape, particularly in regards to uh, the involvement of government and international organizations? Well, it seems to be that the, the assumption that uh, environmental migrants are going to be, um, you know, by millions mm -hmm. uh, in a few decades uh, is not sure at all. There are estimates that, you know, tend to show that uh, environmental migrants might be, you know, 150 million to mm -hmm. 200 million. I, I frankly doubt that might be the case, although um, it might be possible. Uh, the, the issue is that uh, environmental migrants generally uh, move uh, or stay in the area mm -hmm. where they are forced to, uh, where they are struck by 
uh, environmental disasters or issues. Um, you have then uh, what happens is a temporary uh, mobility mm -hmm. um, and generally in the country where they generally live. So this is a domestic matter most of the time. Yeah. And in some instances, you have other issues uh, that force people to cross borders. And in this case, uh, there is a problem of, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, especially with environmental uh, refugees, I think it's very hard to isolate specifically that it's environmental uh, force driving people to leave their country or as opposed to a combination of factors for uh, sure. Absolutely, that's the main problem and that's yeah. why we don't talk about uh, environmental refugees. I mean, a few years ago, uh, some scholars and policymakers were talking about uh, environmental refugees, but the problem is that it's a conflicting notion with the, no, the, the concept of refugee, yeah. which is basically uh, based on, or, or basically have a specific status that excludes uh, environmental um, determinants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how does the regulation of mobility differ from Europe to North America, in your opinion? Um, in between countries? Yes. yes. Uh, well, it seems to me that in uh, North America, uh, the mobility of people uh, is regulated on a bilateral, uh, yeah, it's bilateral basically. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in, in, in Europe, uh, especially the European Union, uh, some of the members have signed some agreements, for instance, the Schengen Agreement, that um, uh, is uh, quite interesting because the idea is that uh, there is an abolition of all the internal um, borders and sort of unified external border um, and the possibility consequently to move from one country to the other as long as it is an internal border without having any ID. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, but with the exception that we see or that we have seen last year uh, and it's still the case right now with uh, so-called migration or migrant crisis mm -hmm. or refugee crisis, the fact that um, some countries have uh, requested an exception and then have re-established control at right. some uh, border checks. Yeah. So to speak about a particular migration issue that is rather close to home, uh, we've seen more and more people crossing the border from the United States into Canada. Uh, in the past few weeks and some people predict that this may increase over the next few months. So uh, do you have any comments on how this might change the relationship both between Canada and the US and migration mobility within North America as a whole? Um, well, excellent question. It's uh, a big question, yes. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, so th there are different facets to, to, to your question. Absolutely. Um, the first one is the, the, the bilateral relations between Canada and the US, mm -hmm. and it seems to me that uh, what the federal government is trying to do on the Canadian side is basically not to shake these things up, I mean, to basically uh, preserve the status quo as much as possible. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> You're good, please continue. Oh, okay. So, so it's basically, the, yeah, the idea is to preserve the status quo yes. uh, between the two regions. Um, uh, sorry, between the two countries. Yes. Um, uh, and it means, for instance, uh, not uh, 
uh, challenging the, the agreement, the bilateral agreement, the third safe country agreement between mm -hmm. Canada and, uh, and the US, mm -hmm. um, wh which is a tricky aspect of the, the, the current mobility between the, 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 the two countries. Um, Do you think it will change the migration management uh, in North America as a whole, or will we see things maintaining their status quo? No, I, I think that m most of the, the, the established uh, border uh, control systems will remain the same. Um, I, I don't think that the, the, the illegal crossings that we see right now uh, are going to affect the, the current uh, border security uh, system that is in place between Canada and the US. And I think that the, 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 the numbers are um, you know, not that consequent. I mean, they, they, they're fairly low. Yes, so far, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they remain low in the next few months. And thank you very much, Bruno. You've given us a lot to think about today. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you.